You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket, coming to you from the Hell's Kitchen area of Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater, and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Today's guest is the incredible L.A.-based photographer and lighting designer, Matthew Brian Denman. I'll be bringing Matthew on in a few minutes, but I'd first like to take a moment or two to talk about a theatrical element of which I'm sure he can relate. Creating an initial environment or impression of a show. It's often called a preset in theatrical terms and is something I think that can be really impactful in the creation of a show. It's sort of like the impression that you have the minute that you walk into the theater and sometimes the box office. And I think that it it provides an a tremendous opportunity for the creative team of the show to be able to establish a mindset within the audience. Uh, and, and I think that I would like to talk about two different examples that put me mentally in a state of where I needed to be for the particular shows that I'll be discussing. The first one is a show that's out here in New York right now. It's an off-Broadway show. It's called The View Upstairs. I've mentioned it a couple of times on this show and recommended it. The set designer has created an entire bar that that serves as the set that I thought was actually a bar that they booked this production into. Uh, let me give, give you a little background on the play or the musical. It's a story of a gay bar that uh, was set on fire with many patrons locked into it in New Orleans back in the 70s. And the, uh, the, the people who were inside the bar couldn't get out. And so they burned to death. They died. And just even so much as somebody trying to get out of a window who was stuck in the window, who stayed up there in that window for about two or three days. It was a horribly tragic story. And 
um, a, a gentleman by the name of Max Vernon wrote a musical about it, and it's uh, doing gangbusters out here. It's just so good. And it, it, it really it takes place in this big, gaudy gay bar in the 70s. And the set designer, his name is Jason Sherwood, he has just done this incredible, beautiful job of creating this environment so that you walk in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a gay bar in the 70s. And I don't know, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, I, I would recommend if you're in New York or you come to New York to book a ticket and see it. It's, it's incredible. The next show that really impacted me with this, um, it, it was Carrie the Musical. Now, I've been a major Carrie file my entire life, and I chased after Carrie the Musical until I finally saw this production. It was at the La Mirada Center of the Performing Arts in 2015. And it's, it's the, the musical version of Carrie, and that particular element or that particular show has a lot of bad and good history, but this particular production was just stunning. Um, first of all, the show happened on the stage, so you weren't actually sent to the audience, the, the, the theater audience, with, with the chairs and the seats and all of that. You walked through a corridor that took you up onto the stage, and the corridor was protected with all this like pipe and drape. And as you walked through, there were these little like side scenes and dioramas of of the story of Carrie, of, of lockers on fire and, and desks flipped over and all this high school violence. And, and then you walked in and it was a, the, the, the set was a gymnasium and you sat on bleachers and that was just the beginning. Oh, and the other cool thing about it was that when you walked in and you got your tickets, they put you in clicks. So you couldn't go into the theater until your click was called. So it really established the mentality and, and I thought that that was, I thought that that was super cool. I, I love that show. Uh, the set designer on that was named Stephen Gifford. So thought I'd mention him. And if you'd like to see the view upstairs, again, it's currently playing in New York City at the Lynn Redgrave Theater. You can get details at www.theviewupstairs.com. So do that. Go and, and see that and, and support them and give them some love. Okay. Thank you for indulging me on that. I, I think that's a really Cool and fun topic to, to discuss. Now to bring on our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome mega-talented photographer and lighting designer, Matthew Brian Denham. Hi, Matthew, and welcome to Your Program Is Your Ticket. Hello. Hi. Uh, How's it going? It's going great. Um, first, I would like to talk a little bit about how David and I, because uh, David is involved in this, my husband David, met uh, and and... and and got to know um, Matthew Denman. It, it was during the production in L.A. of our show at The Flash at the Celebration Theater. And we were just so stunned at the incredible lighting program that you put together for us. And, and, and we talk about it all the time, how it was just so, so beautiful and how you just you, you took that small space and you almost expanded it. It was, it, it, it was wonderful. Oh, no, thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your creative theater passion? Uh, well, I, um, I've been doing lighting for about probably 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally, like so many in theater, started out as an actor. Um, as a, you know, from elementary school on, 
Um, but I, I could never really sing or dance. So in order to work on musicals, I had to do something technical. Uh-huh. Uh, and I ended up, um, ended up kind of up in the light booth and, um, fell in love with just the magic of, of lighting and, um, realized I was much better at that than acting. That sort of started my, my journey onto visual design. Uh, uh, so you, so you started in, in high school, you say? Yeah. Okay. And then did, did that evolve into uh, a career after high school? Did you start taking classes? Did you immediately go into designing, uh, lighting programs right away? Uh, I did not. Um, I actually, I, in college I studied anthropology. Um, I didn't really know what exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, so I didn't quite go the, the conservatory route or into a theater program, but I still did, um, theater constantly in college. Um, and so when I came out to LA, uh, after college, um, it was sort of something that I, I did occasionally, um, but I really, it really fed my um, kind of artistic needs. So it, it became something I did more and more, and, and now I do probably about four or five shows a year. Wow. Um, can you take us through your process of, of getting a script and where your mind starts with designing the light program into what we see on the stage? Um, well, I usually read the script uh, a couple times um, without really uh, thinking about um, specific things. Uh, Lighting-wise, I just kind of get the, what my reaction to it is, kind of the mood that I feel, um, just sort of an, an overview of, of what the story is. The audience is supposed to be affected by the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then I meet with the director and get um, uh, his or her sense of what um, they, the story they want to tell is. And um, then I start uh, doing research. I, I love... Um, just coming through um, art books or just Googling images just to kind of uh, start to build a, a visual uh, reference point that I can share with the other designers and with the director. Because um, I, I, it's, it's easier to talk to people showing them images than saying, oh, I want something really contrasty with saturated colors with, like, high angles. Or I could just, you know, show the director a picture and I'm like, this is what I'm going for. Um, does that help you? Um, and, so, and, and so then comes, after that, comes the nitty-gritty of drawing the light pot, um, deciding on color, and, and more of the technical aspects. Do you find that most directors, creatives, producers that are that are on shows that they respond more visually? Um, not all of them, but um, I feel like it's easier to talk about lighting visually, right? Um, than um, just because the vocabulary is different. Um, like a 
a director will say, like, I want it very theatrical, mm-hmm. which really doesn't mean much. I kind of have gotten to understand what they mean by that. Right. But, um, but um, it's probably easier for them to show me, like, an example of what they're thinking of, or for me to show them what my idea is uh, than to try to explain it um, through words. Oh, cool. Now, it's funny because David and I were watching an an old movie on Turner Classic Movies, and uh, now this was back in the 40s, and it was like, what are those, I think, what was it? I think it was 42nd Street, and they showed the guys like off in the wings of the theater while they were doing the show, and they were using like those those light oh, handles that go <laughs> like uh, 500 pound dimmers right <laughs> and and apparently like you just you go in and you every time you're going to do a light shift you go in and you and 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 you reset all of those giant handles and then to take to take your next cue uh, do you did you ever work on anything that antiquated uh no um I, the oldest thing I worked on was probably a light board from the seventies, um, where it had, I think like nine or 10 different banks of, um, faders that controlled each, uh, dimmer channel. And you would set each one to what the cue was supposed to be. And then you could, um, fade between each bank. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so once you were done with one bank, you'd reset it, fade to the next, then reset it, and fade to the next. Um, so it's a lot, not quite as physically demanding of, like, turning all of those those really heavy dimmers, but um, a lot easier, not quite as easy as just pressing go. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So it's like moving, you know, eight or nine different uh, knobs or dials or, or buttons and then, and then hitting go. And now yeah. all that's done and programmed and you just hit go. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you can have like 500 different things going on at different times. Um, just with one button. So it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot more to program, but it's, it's a lot easier in the end. <laughs> Do you remember the, the time when you finally got, when, when you were in between, when you were using all kinds of like older archaic light boards and then you finally got a good light board and you were like, Oh my God, the heavens have opened up and this is so much easier. Do you remember that one particular time that occurred? Um, I, it didn't really happen that way because, um, I think you become used to working in a certain way and then you're presented with something that's much better, but it's totally different uh-huh. and it requires a new skill set, and you have to, you know, learn a new, a new way of thinking about programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that learning curve where it's, it, it feels difficult, but then you have to go back to the old way and you're like, Oh my God, 
<laughs> How did I do this? Right. <laughs> and, and luckily, I don't really have to deal with a lot of um, antiquated light bulbs anymore. But um, yeah, it is. It, it's it's one, once you know how to program on, on the, you know, the computer based ones, it's, mm-hmm. it's going back to like childhood ways. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. I, I can imagine that that would be uh, very, very frustrating, but yeah, as soon as you've, as soon as you give up on having to program all of the cues each and every time, and then just hit go, and you turn over to the computerized, like you said, then you have to learn the skill set of figuring out how to program everything in advance and get it all perfect just to hit go, which is, you know, at times a leap of faith. Uh, I've learned from being in the booth myself. Um, do you do you like for character? Uh, do, you like for, do you like for setting? Are there certain specific moments in a show where you know when to do each technique? Um, it totally depends upon um, the play or the musical or the, you know, and what's happening in the story at the moment. I always probably, I always start with setting because that's kind of um, the design elements is pretty much what gives you, what gives the audience um, the setting. Uh-huh. It creates the world that um, the actors live in. So, um, so that's sort of I'm always thinking that's sort of the, the first layer is just lighting this the setting, adding on top of that, supporting whatever the story needs at that moment. Oh, I see. Cool. What's the most difficult show you've ever lit? Musicals are always more difficult. I bet. Um, just because. There's so many more moving parts. Um, probably the most difficult is actually, it was a play um, that I actually just did a remount of um, called Failure, a Love Story. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it's, I can, it's a play, but I can, with music, but I consider it a musical ah. um, because it has, the um, tempo of a musical, it has, it's very uh, almost choreographed the entire show. Um, so you have to think of it as a musical piece. Right. Where, where there's a light cue every five minutes or five seconds, rather. Um, and you're constantly shifting mood and um time and space. And so, um, it was, it was difficult in that sense, uh, that, um, it's just a lot of stuff. I think whenever you're, you're working technically with a musical, there's a certain fluidity to it that, that has to be respected uh, when it comes to all of the technical elements. I think it, for me, it would seem like it's a little bit easier to stop a play then it would be the the propulsion and energy of a musical if something were to have gone wrong. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, and I, because with like a play, you have um, not necessarily with the, with 
the actors and the story and what's going on stage, but with a lot of the technical aspects or the design aspects, there are pauses. Uh. Um, like if you have a one setting living room set, um, where, you know, lights go up and then nothing happens, um, sound or lighting or, you know, scenic wise for like 10 pages, Mm -hmm. you know, that you, that gives you a huge pause. Whereas with a musical or something more complicated, you have, you know, 10 different things happening on every page. Right. And you have, and so it's, it's like a, it's like a train without brakes. (laughs) And once it gets going, you know, there's no stopping it. You just have to keep, you know, going on and on and on. And it has to be seamless. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Um, Now I know that you also do photography. Yes. Uh, Of the two, what do you consider to be your forte or your specialty, or do they both inform each other equally? I think they both inform each other, and I learn things in each area that apply to the other. Um, I kind of feel like photography and lighting design are the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just using different instruments. In theater, I'm using the audience's own eyes, whereas in photography, I'm using my camera. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, depending upon the projects, you know, I'm going for different results. But in the end, I'm trying to find some combination of lighting that will impact the viewer uh, in, in a certain way. Oh, cool. So, um, I think the, the biggest difference is that I can take my camera and walk around the city I take pictures all by myself, <laughs> whereas lighting a show, I have to have a cast and a crew and a director and a writer and a space and equipment, and it's it's uh, a it's a community effort. And I'm just a little part of that, right? A lot of personalities, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which um, I find fascinating. Um, it's. Um, I mean, sometimes it doesn't always work out great, but I usually find it, uh, it's like a, a, you get another family every show you do. This is true. You're, it feels like you're always connecting. Yeah. All, all the time. And, and it's, it's funny because I remember, I remember working with you and we worked with you, I think back in 2013. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is so quiet. You were so, so <laughs> I know you must have some sort of like internal Zen that you've built up dealing with uh, one production after another, because they can be kind of chaotic. Yes. Um, And I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm more of a watcher Mm -hmm. than, um, which I think, you know, that's part of my job is to watch things and look at things and, um, just take it all in. So um, I do probably um, kind of sit in the back, <laughs> observe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm, which is probably why I didn't make a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, are you ever asked to do graphics on shows? 
asked to do graphics, but I do do uh, production photography. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, a uh, show I did recently, um, there was a um, video montage um, that I did all of the photography for. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I contributed in that way. Oh, oh, I see. So, the, so there was a video montage during the show itself, and and you put yeah, that it, together. It's, uh, it's the play "Die, Mommy, Die" by Charles Bush. I love that play. And it, yes, it was so much fun to do, and it starts out with um, this video showing kind of um, all of the the decline of Angela Arden's career, mm-hmm. uh, and you see like her headshots and. Variety mag, you know, covers and um, posters from her movies, and as her career is declining, it gets uh, sadder and sadder. <laughs> so I did all all the photography. For that. <laughs> that was the the production with with Drew Drogi, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was great. It's you know, every once in a while I'm like, God, I wish I was there now to see that. And <laughs> my, I had Michael uh, Chris Falusi on. Some, a couple shows ago, and he was talking about that, and I was pea-green with envy. <laughs> I'm yes. sure it, was, it was an incredibly fun show to work on. Oh, I'm sure it was wonderful. Um, what messages and themes do you strive to convey to audiences through the productions you choose to, to work on to light? Um, I, well, first I would say that like my role is not so much to convey a message, but to help convey the writer and the director's message. Hmm. Um, So uh, in a way, the voice that's on stage is not my voice. I'm just kind of in the background chorus supporting that voice. Um, But I do look for pieces that um, affect me, that have um, something, that, that do have a story to tell that's meaningful. Um, and that, um, I try to find productions that, um, if they're doing a revival of something that have something new to say, or that make a piece, uh, relevant to today. Um, so, so, so the, so the show really needs to inspire you. You don't want to go cold while you're reading the script or being approached by it or the elevator. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want, you know, uh, if I'm not excited by a piece, I don't know, um, how I could do my best to excite an audience about a piece. Oh. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I've done, I've done shows that don't excite me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all have, um, and I've, I've tried my best to, you know, to do them well, but, um, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to find something where as soon as you finish reading it, um, you have 500 ideas about it, and it just it it touches you inside. Um, and uh, whether it be like um, "Die, Mommy, Die," which is this crazy, campy um, comedy that doesn't have anything like profound necessarily to say though it does have, have interesting things to say, but that is, uh, 
such a, a relief to the soul um, to sit through a couple of hours of just pure comedy genius. Um, or another uh, project that I just worked on, Failure Love Story, which um, basically talks about life and love and death. And oh. <laughs> um, in, in a very beautiful way, but touches as a but it touches on like the core of what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. So, um, both of those, uh, you know, affected me, uh, in different ways and for different reasons and filled different purposes. Um, but they did have, uh, um, they did have a purpose for the audience. Oh, sure. Sometimes, sometimes you don't necessarily want to go to, see a show and, and, and have to think hard and have to, not that, not that, uh, Charles Bush's shows aren't, aren't thinking shows. They very definitely are. Um, but you just want to go to be entertained and, and laugh and, and, and enjoy. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, uh, and you, you need that sometimes, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you go to the theater to be reminded of what the world is. And sometimes you go into the theater to, to forget what the world is. Oh, and that's both great. of those, you know, are are valid reasons for the theater. Totally. Well, I I love that. I love that. Say that again, because I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Sometimes you go to to be to reminded be remind what what the world is, and sometimes you go to forget. That is great. Did you just come up with that? Uh, I'm probably not the first person to express that, <laughs> that idea. <laughs> so I can't put it in the script. It's probably somewhere out there <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm always like cribbing stuff from, from my friends on what I could put in a script or not. I always try to ask, though, because you never know. <laughs> you well, know. Well, every story's already been told. It's just been told slightly differently. <laughs> right. I think someone's, someone told me that, that there are like seven storylines like basic storylines that everything can go back to and they all, maybe this is a, the best reference point, but they all go back to the Bible. Uh, I forgot who told me that, but a friend of mine who I think majored in English said that. And I, you know, I could, I could probably believe, that. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, if you, or, or if, Greek mythology right? or Hindu mythology, you know, or, or William Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's a, a very very common answer. What you just gave, uh, as far as is being inspired for the technical people that I bring on the show, because I've had stage ma stage managers on, um, and they say that you know what sometimes you're you're just taking the show to pay the bills, and uh, you, you don't really have the opportunity to to make the decision based upon your feelings, your, you know, your morals or ethics. Uh, but that typically is earlier on in that person's career. I would assume that your career as a lighting designer has evolved to where you could be a little bit more selective, right? Totally. Okay. Um, and I think I'm, I'm unusual because I don't do exclusively lighting design. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can be a little pickier, um, with the projects that I take, um, some, I mean, sometimes I do it because of the project. Sometimes I do it because of the people who are working on the project. Um, I enjoy working, um, with, you know, the various designers and the director, um, 
and I've worked with them before, and so um, I'll take a project uh, without really knowing much about it, just because I know um, that I I will uh, get along well with this group. Um, or sometimes it's someone I haven't worked with before, but I've, I've really admired their work, and so um, I'll, I'll choose a project to get a chance to work with them. Mm-hmm. And and usually, I mean, also knowing that because of these these people do great work, I know that the project that they're choosing to work on can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, because because. Uh, I, I'm not doing, you know, 15 shows a year. Um, I don't need to fill up every slot so I can be a little bit pickier. That's good. That's a good place to be. And, and often it's not just about money. It's just, it's about establishing your reputation, getting your name out there, getting the buzz. Yeah. Um, and you know, you don't want, you always want to present your best work. Sure. And, um, even, even if you do an amazing job, um, on a project that, you know, doesn't really excite an audience, it gets forgotten. Right. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yep. That's for sure. Um, uh, overall and well, no, let's, let's just, just go down. No, let's go overall. What do you think is an important direction theater is taking right now? Overall. Um, I think theater, um, in a way has kind of, it's kind of at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would, like the past decade, it's kind of been all over the place. Um, but now it, it's probably due to our political climate and the underlying reasons for that. Um, there's more of an urgency, um, or I don't, maybe urgency is not the right word, but there seems to be more of a focus on, um, it's like a call to arms. Yeah. Uh, and so all, so it's kind of, whether it be very direct towards the current, the current socioeconomic situation in our country and throughout the world, or a little bit more abstract, um, there, there's been a, a focus on what's going on now in the world. Yeah. That's that, um, that we're that, starting to see in theater. Yeah. That's, that's been the number one answer to that question that uh, politically, uh, there's been an uprise and, and, an, and an uptick in, in theatrical projects focusing on on what's occurring politically in the country and and now around the world. And I also think um, not even productions that are focused on that, but um, productions that don't even really have so much to do with it, but that are uh, referencing it. Sure. Uh, that, um, like, one of my next projects that unfortunately has been pushed uh, to next year um, is Cabaret at Celebration Theater, mm-hmm. which obviously has nothing to do with the current political situation, but has 
is so metaphoric for it. Oh yeah. And, uh, I'm very excited to work on it because, um, it's, you know, it's a revival that has new meaning because of its context in the world today. Oh yeah. Like particularly in, um, like Chechnya. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's sad. I, I, I won't go too much into because I'll I'll start soapboxing. That's that's not my that's not my intention for this program. Um, now, what do you think locally within within LA? Is there a direction that theater is taking there? Um, well, I think LA has a because it's such a huge diverse theater community mm-hmm. um, that. It's it actually is a great um, kind of petri dish for all sorts of um, new works, and I think it has definitely become far more political uh, in the past year. Uh, we're seeing a lot, um, I don't know, gritty is quite the right word, um, but. Um, a lot more pieces that are um, looking at society and trying to figure out where we are. Besides any shows that you've worked on, are there any particular shows that, or a show that you can reference that you've seen in, in the L.A. theater scene that espouses that uh, theory? Um, Citizen, which... Um, it's just been remounted. Um, there's this wonderful program uh, that uh, Center Theater Group has been doing called Block Party, where they've taken three uh, shows that uh, were originally done in intimate theaters and remounting them uh, in repertory at the Kirk Douglas Theater. Failure was one of those shows that I just worked on. Uh-huh. And another one of them is called Citizen, um, which is focused on um, police brutality. Oh. And, uh, sort of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. An amazing piece um, that uh, really does speak. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a piece that speaks directly towards the issue. Um, and it's by, uh, produced by the Fountain Theater, um, who, do, who actually do a lot of very um, politically oriented works, uh, great works. Um, they did another show um, where it um, involved the this uh, an imagining of the conversation between Barack Obama when he met Trump, um, which also was uh, really good. So I've heard of that one. I, that that sounds really fascinating to me because yeah. <laughs> we really don't know what went down, but. <laughs> I would imagine it was very, um, uh, what's the word, uh, civilized, with lots of undertones. And, and, yes, there was a lot of undertones. Right. Like, like I know what you said. <laughs> probably, probably more on one side than the other. Right. <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, as a lighting designer, what do you think is the best part of being involved in smaller, more intimate productions? Um. It kind of compresses what is normally a huge um, 
kind of octopus uh, organization where um, you don't necessarily like work directly with everyone into you're all in the room together, right? <laughs> like this, you know, cramped little space. And it really is. I think the best part about doing intimate theater is just working directly with everyone. Yeah. Um, like, uh, if I work in a big space, I probably have very little interaction with the cast. Um, I have, I basically interact with the director if the writer's there, and the other designers, and then the lighting crew, and that's about it. <laughs> but you know, when you work in an intimate theater. You know the cast, you know all the crew, you know the person running the box office. Um, it's it's, um, it's a true kind of family experience. I, I believe that that was what Mr. Michael Christopher Lucy had to say about it as well. <laughs> Imagine that, that, that you have that wonderful philosophy going on at Celebration Theatre. Well, I mean, maybe it's just Celebration Theater, which I do a lot of work at. Um, it, it really is a special place, but um, Indeed. yeah, I, I think the best part of intimate theater, especially because of the challenges of it, um, not having a lot of time or resource, uh, this you know, the same resources that you would have at a big uh, theater or with a big production, um, is this feeling that you're all in it together. Right. Yeah, he said that it, it worked well because there was rarely there were there were way fewer breakdowns in communication. Yeah, and that's that's important. Uh, you know, and he also said that you know everybody will pitch in and help in other areas if they can as well. Yeah, which is nice. That's that's a nice uh, sort of teamwork uh, kind of feel, and, and I, I really like that. Uh, what should every theatrical artist, uh, designer, director, writer, composer, actor be doing right now to be relevant and successful in the industry? Um, speaking as a designer, I would say um, one, I mean, just do the, the work is always what's important um making sure that you're helping tell the story Mm -hmm. um but i think especially now um getting out and making connections with other storytellers is um and making sure that your community outside of what you're working on right now um is strong um i think you know I think networking is the wrong word, <laughs> um, but um, I do feel like um, it, that's something that's always true in theater, no, no matter when, but especially right now, um, that uh, connection is important. Oh, absolutely. Are there any words of advice that you would give to someone who was trying to start out? In, in, in a theatrical lighting career. What would you tell them? It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, I would say that... I mean, try and get as close to as many productions as possible. Um, That there are a lot of amazing uh, new talent who are uh, in the design world um, who are extremely well-educated coming out of uh, line design programs. Um, But it's kind of, it's a huge leap to get then into the world of actually doing theater. Um, and seeing it, you know, up close, you know, um, is very important. And it really is all about who you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so making connections really, it it all goes back to that. Um, because we are a collaborative art and, um, if a, a new lighting designer needs to one learn how things actually work in the real world in terms of lighting, which there's 500 different ways depending upon the you know from Broadway to intimate theater. Sure. But um, but you do need to learn you know those situations, and uh, you need to learn. Uh, who the hot directors are and you need to know who the producers are and um, the nitty gritty of, um, you know, you have to make connections. Now, now would it be helpful? Like say if, if somebody who was new and, you know, either fresh out of college or high school or, or whatever they, wherever they came from, uh, would it be beneficial if they were to just find local theaters and maybe volunteer to be production assistants or ushers and sort of get their name working through the mill, if you will? Um, I think um, in a way, yeah, mm-hmm. especially if, if you don't know the local theatrical scene, um, definitely do whatever you can to sort of, integrate yourself into it. Um, I think if you want to, if you want to be a lighting designer, um, see if you can be an assistant to a lighting designer, see if you can be a production assistant, um, handling lighting issues with, with a production. Um, basically, so that first of all, you get to, you know, you get a front row seat to see how things work. And also so that, you know, you do meet designers and directors and producers and your name is out there. And um, I would say not necessarily do anything um, because once I think, unfortunately, once you become known as, oh, this person is great at doing this, Mm -hmm. you'll always be known as the person who does this. Right. 
So um, do you kind of stick to the design area that you want to eventually work in? Um, Smart yeah. advice. Yeah, that's great advice. And and I always tell people when they ask me about writing, I always say, you know what? See as much theater as you can. See how they do it. Uh, pay attention. I, I will tell people, pay attention to the writing. Is it working? Does it feel... Um, does it feel like it's flowing well? Are, are you feeling things as the story is moving along? Um, I would imagine you would give that same advice to, to people to go see as many shows as possible oh, and, totally. and really pay attention to the lighting. And um, that's which is kind of weird because to me, good, like really, really good, superb lighting, you shouldn't be aware that it's happening. I, it's, I, yeah, totally. It's yeah. like any other aspect of like you shouldn't notice that the actor's acting. Right, exactly. Um, you may note like you may notice that you're affected by the design, but you shouldn't like it shouldn't scream, "Oh, this is really design." Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I always focus a lot on the lighting. <laughs> Even well, of course. If, like yeah. um, I'm always like looking around and um, I, I know a, a lot of other designers have a hard time just sitting back and watching a play yeah. without like being somewhat critical, right. in, not, not in a bad way, but like um, focusing on their, their area of design. But, um, but yeah, you should, um, you should see theater. Oh. You know, it's, it's funny because, and you, you'll probably relate to this lighting wise, but to me, I feel like I know the play is really, really good if, if I completely forget about the writing, if I stop analyzing it and I just roll with it. That's when I know, okay, this is good writing. Do you feel the same way about lighting? Um, yeah. If, if I suddenly get caught watching the show rather than watching you know, my work on the show, yeah. that's always a good, um, it's always a good thing. <laughs> and, and it's also... Um, beneficial because sometimes like I'll be at the tech table designing a show and I'll have seen it 50 times and then during a preview I'll go out and watch it and try not to really focus on oh there's this cue called right and everything and then I'll notice things mm -hmm. by trying to just be an audience member and like oh that's why that's not working Oh, yeah. I, I always say uh, to be a good theater artist, you really need to be a good audience member. Yeah, you know, because you, that's, I mean, that's the... the that's the goal. The, what you're working for <laughs> is for the audience. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, well, before we wrap up, why don't you tell us what you've been working on lately? Uh, so I, I just closed two productions, um, Die, Mommy, Die mm -hmm. at Celebration and Failure, Love Story at the Kirk Douglas. Um, I, um, was about to start production on Cabaret, but that's been pushed for a while. Um, and I actually, I'm in talks for a few things kind of later on in the year, but, um, the next few months I'm focusing on photography. So, oh, okay. So, so you can't, you, you have to be on the QT for your future projects in theater, right? Yeah. Okay. I totally understand. I haven't, that. I haven't signed the dotted line yet. So, right. Right. <laughs> well, that's all. I mean, that's all I mean. legally, legally, and you don't yeah. want to jinx it either. 
Yeah, totally. Okay. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and give our audience all your social media information? Uh, so my website is uh, matthewbryandenman.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at mbdlight. And I think I'm also, uh, I have a, a Facebook page at mbdlight as well. Is there any one particular location where if our listeners can go and access all of those? Uh, my website has links to everything. So Okay, cool. That's great. Well, this has been really, really enlightening. Sorry I couldn't resist. <laughs> I try. I mean, that's, that's my job. Right. <laughs> well, it's been enlightening in more ways than one, and, and you've been absolutely de- delightful. And uh, we thank you for being with us here on your program as your ticket, Matthew. You're amazing. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Will you come back? Oh, totally. Okay, cool. Yeah, I always put everyone on the spot when I ask. I mean, <laughs> okay, so at the end of each show, I like to give shout-outs to current productions uh, that I recommend. And on tonight's show, I'm going to go international, and I'm recommending a wonderful event that's happening right now in Dublin, Ireland. It's called the International Dublin Gay Theatre Festival. Uh, it's an excellent international theatre event uh, that's going on again in Dublin, Ireland, and it started in May 1st and it goes till May 13th. So we're a week into it. And the objective of the festival is to explore the concepts of gay theater and to develop high quality, inclusive artistic programming that includes drama, music, the performance, performance arts, and academic and community debate. That's off of their website. If that's why it sounds so much like a quote, that's their mission statement. Now, my husband and I took our play at The Flash to the festival in 2014 through Chicago's Pride Films and Plays, along with our director, David G. Zach, and our stage manager, Jessica Farella, both who have been past guests on this show. So if you want to go back and, and link to their shows, then go for it. And the experience of doing the show there was absolutely incredible. It was one of the best, most wonderful festival situations we've ever experienced. And we've taken the show to a couple different festivals. Um, we got to see a, a slate of wonderful LGBTQ theater from all over the world, uh, from, from obviously the United States, uh, the UK, Europe, Tel Aviv, and Australia, just to name a few of the geographic er- areas. They produce all different styles of LGBTQ theater in the, in the festival. They do one-person shows like ours, Uh, musicals, uh, just general monologues, uh, short plays, and of course, you know, good old standard. You would normally call them straight plays, but I'm going to just call them standard plays because it's a gay gay play festival. Um, Of course, straight people can go to if you want to. It was wonderful to see LGBTQ struggles and points of view from other areas of the world, the similarities and the differences, but most, most, I was most shocked about the similarities. I was like, oh my God, it's just it's great. It sort of um, makes the world a little bit smaller in, in problems and just makes you feel like you're like everybody's dealing with the things that you're dealing with. And uh, the people in Dublin who represent the festival are easily some of the nicest, most helpful, non-competitive, because sometimes the festivals can be really competitive, but they're not competitive at all. They're just really cool uh, folks that I've ever had the privilege of meeting. They were just wonderful. And that spirit uh, permeates the entire experience to bring everyone together toward a statement of global humanity, which we so need right now. Uh, David and I are still friends with many people we met there and have had great visits from 
great people here in NYC from that particular festival, including our friend Sean Denyer and Howard Lodge, who are from Dublin, and our friend Zion Ashkenazi, who is from Tel Aviv. Uh, so nice to have people come and visit us here. It's, it's wonderful. Of course, we, always, we know we always have to share them with New York City. So if you ever come visit us, we understand that. So if you're in Europe, if you're in the Europe area, Take a trip to Ireland. It's really not that expensive of a flight. I think like eight years ago, we flew from from like London to Dublin in a day, and it cost us, I think, you know, something like the equivalent of $40 each. It was crazy. But um, you can get cheap flights. Attend some of the shows. You won't be sorry. It's a very edifying experience. And from what I understand and what I'm reading on Facebook, they are killing it out there. They're selling out, and they're just having one of their best um, festivals, one of their best years in in ages. So I'm really happy for them and proud of them. Um, again, it's going on in Dublin, Ireland from May 1st to May 13th. And you can visit their website at www.gaytheater with an R-E dot I-E. Again, that's dot I-E for Ireland, which I'm sure you all know. Uh, for dates and, and details, go ahead and visit their website and, and, uh, and go. It's just, it's super fun. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. I'd like to thank my guest, the brilliant and charming Matthew Brian Denman. He was just wonderful, just just a great guy. If you'd like for me to give you a shout-out um, to your production company or to your show or, or whatever, just to say hi, um, then go ahead and like my Facebook page at facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. And shoot me a message. I'll be happy to give you the mention. And I also am on Twitter at um, YR Program is YR Ticket. Isn't that clever? That's isn't that funny. And then you can also visit my website at yourprogramisyourticket.com. So there you go, folks. Everyone, please take a little time to see a show this week. And don't forget to give some smaller shows some love. There are a lot of wonderful theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and curtain. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.